Comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. A new study came out last week in the Journal of the American Medical Association that shows that for more than 100 million obese Americans, the benefits of bariatric surgery go beyond just helping with weight loss. It also improves the quality of their lives. Dr. Christopher Yu, a bariatric surgeon at MedStar Franklin Square Medical Center in Baltimore, joins us now to talk about those findings and surgical options. I'm your host, Mike Shu. Welcome to Doc Talk, and Dr. Yu, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. So according to that study, one in four Americans has fatty liver disease caused by obesity, a condition for which I understand there's no treatment. One way to stem the onset of fatty liver disease is weight loss, um, which is greatly impacted by bariatric surgery. Now, how expected was that finding? It's something that we have had a sense of. Uh, what is uh, unsettling is the increase in the number of patients who have this condition uh, because the epidemic of obesity is uh, a real problem nowadays. And with the increase of the number of patients who have obesity, they also have increases in the number of patients who have you know, fatty liver and then that brings along all the uh, potential diseases and complications that follow that. So uh, this study really helps to kind of be a wake-up call uh, to providers and to patients uh, that uh, we have a serious problem here. So we started with fatty liver, so I'm assuming that that means that it's a fairly uh, important thing um, not to have. <laughs> uh, correct. And uh, I think one thing that um, we need to realize is that fat is not innocuous. It actually has effects on the body. And in the liver, when fat is deposited in the liver, it actually helps uh, or contributes towards inflammation in the liver. And that leads to scarring. And if you have too much scarring, that leads to cirrhosis. It really is important to you know minimize, um, or not necessarily minimize, but decrease the amount of excess fat that you have in your body. So if someone is a successful candidate for bariatric surgery and they end up do losing weight, is there any reversal of that? Or with fatty liver, it, you sort of You've, you've, if you've gotten to that point, that's where it stays. No, if it's in that early stage where it's just fatty liver, uh, then uh, it is reversible. That's fantastic. So besides fatty liver disease, what are some of the other health risks associated with obesity that are benefited by bariatric surgery? Uh, so there are uh, a number of conditions. Uh, the most common that we see are going to be diabetes, high blood pressure, and sleep apnea. Uh, but other conditions that can be affected is infertility. And also um, for some patients, they have uh, chronic headaches with a condition called pseudotumor cerebri, uh, which actually responds very well with surgery. So those are the things that we see uh, in our clinic. What is it that would bring someone to you? I know that they're overweight, but what do you... What are sort of the, the, the conditions where they would be a successful candidate to you know, to have the surgery. Right. Biggest thing and the most challenging thing is that the patient has to want it. Um, and it really takes, it's not just a single point where they make that decision. I think it's going to be several times where they have those late night internet searches, where they have those moments where they realize that they can't do something that they couldn't before. And it just kind of accumulates. And then at a point they're like, I can't do this anymore. And I think that when they realize that they have to make a change, uh, that is really where the surgery can be um, a tool that can make them successful. Question is, is there a ratio of where the obesity really is a problem or the, the term morbidly obese? What? 
how do people know, or is it, do they, they just have a feeling themselves that it's time to do something? Um, so that's a great question. Um, you know, we go by the body mass index, uh, as you had alluded to, um, but that in some ways is kind of an older measure. Uh, unfortunately, it is the measure that insurance companies go by right now. Uh, so when your BMI is 35 or over and you have medical condition that is considered weight related, uh, that's the time to look into it. And then if your BMI is over 40 and you may have no other medical conditions, then uh, that's also uh, a point where you should kind of consider the surgery. I know with many types of surgeries in different uh uh, areas of the body, the surgeons will say, okay, let's try some non-invasive therapy first. Is that always what you recommend before they, they come to you? Uh, so usually by the time they get to us, they've actually tried a number of things. They've worked with their primary care doctor to lose weight. They may have been on medication. So it's pretty rare that a patient comes to us and ha- hasn't had any uh, attempts at uh, weight loss. Um, we definitely recommend that they try to do medical weight loss. But when we look at the statistics, Less than 5% after they've reached a BMI of 35 or 40, depending upon their medical conditions, are actually successful to lose the weight on their own. So what is it then about the bariatric surgery that is successful? I think the biggest thing is that it actually changes the body's physiologic response to food in the way of metabolism, in the way of you know uh, accumulating fat versus losing fat. It really changes the way that uh, the body responds. And that's different from what we used to think about it in terms of, oh, we just used to think that you know, bariatric surgery just reduced the amount of food that you ate, which in some ways is true. But we've now realized that there are a lot of hormonal changes that go along with it uh, that uh, have striking effects on the body. So, Doctor, earlier you said, uh, use the phrase medical weight loss. What is that? Uh, so medical weight loss is um, really hinging on... Uh, dietary counseling, assisting patients in making activity changes, and in some instances using pharmacotherapy or medications uh, to help uh, patients lose weight. That sounds like hard work over a long period of time and people have tried it and come in and out. I mean, Mm it's it's hard but for some people that that just doesn't work they they obviously need the services of someone like you correct um and again i think patients genuinely give a great effort in losing weight and it is like the body just fights them from doing that uh and it, it again it's metabolic it's hormonal uh, it's not just a matter of calories in and calories out if we're that simple then you know we wouldn't be having this discussion this surgery uh this tool really tips the scales in allowing patients to um, lose the weight, but they still have to make the same concerted, hard you know, effort to lose weight and to sustain that. You know, there's no, this is not an easy way out. You, it just helps them to be successful. So as a layman, and help me with this, you're physically making the, the stomach in, is smaller. Depending on the procedure, yes. Uh, so with the sleeve gastrectomy, um, we, um, it's a procedure where we just focus on the stomach organ, uh, and you know, if you imagine the stomach is kind of a sack uh, mm-hmm. that holds the food, uh, the sleeve gastrectomy creates that into a tube. And so it does restrict the amount of food you can eat. But then also, again, uh, it changes the body's hormone response uh, to food when you eat. So the appetite has changed. Correct. Which for some people is much of the battle, I would imagine. Correct. Yes. Anecdotally, can you think of uh, some cases where other health issues uh, disappeared after the people successfully lost weight? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'll tell you, um, you know, we have a number of patients who have diabetes. And if they're within the first couple years of that diagnosis and they have the surgery, maybe half of those patients, when they go out of the hospital after having had the surgery, do not need their medications anymore. That's amazing. It's just that striking of a change. 
Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I think the challenge is a lot of times we get diabetic patients who've had diabetes for years and years and years, which then makes it harder to see, you know, a, a striking result like that. But when we do, patients are so happy about it. And uh, and it's great to see. Uh, that has to be rewarding, yeah. yeah. Um, it, how long does it take for the weight to start to come off? And then how much weight are we talking about? You know, give me a range. So, um, I mean, we challenge our patients to start losing weight beforehand. You know, we try to recommend that they lose 5 to 10% before the surgery. And typically, the, the neat thing is about our field is that because we have so much data about how patients have done, we can actually predict a patient's weight loss after surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'll sit with each patient uh, prior to the surgery, and we'll actually go through a risk-benefit analysis. And so a lot of patients typically, you know, if their BMI is in the 40 to 45 range, will end up in that correlates to depending upon the height but you know, around like you know, 270 280 pounds they'll lose 100 pounds 100 pounds so i mean i know you can't guarantee anything but but when people hear of 100 pounds that's life-changing yeah well, and tell me also sort of about the psychological effects, because I know a lot of people who um, are obese or overweight, it, it's hard on them. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, they don't want to be in that condition. Right. The psychological component is, is so important uh, for the overall success of the surgery. And so that is something that is evaluated uh, by a behavioral health specialist in our program. And uh, we really want to make sure that uh, patients are ready to make the lifestyle changes uh, that they have the proper uh, support uh, around them and their family, uh, and uh, that uh, they have that commitment to follow through. When you talk about body image and how someone feels about themselves, I know there are some friends who you know, have a, a weight problem. They, mm-hmm. they don't feel good about themselves, and they want to feel better. So these people who have the bariatric surgery, and it is successful, mm-hmm. a year or two down the road, mentally, has their outlook changed? Uh, so their outlook has changed, but I will tell you that it takes time for a person to adjust how they think of themselves and what they're actually seeing in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why it's really important to have proper support, regular counseling, uh, to actually fully take advantage of all the adjustments that come, uh, not only from a physiologic or physical standpoint, but also from a psychological standpoint. And, and uh, you know, the thing is, is that we lose weight, but it doesn't change our brain, you know, necessarily. <laughs> um, and, and so it's really important for people to, to realize that it's not going to be automatic and they have to have proper support and counseling uh, even throughout that period of time. You know, the surgery doesn't fix things automatically. Sometimes folks who are obese, they have a hard time with exercise because it does hurt their joints more or they, it's harder to move. Do you find that people who have had successful surgery, they, they, they tend to exercise more just because it's easier and it becomes more enjoyable? Yes, definitely. So, uh, and that's something that we definitely encourage in our program uh, to really um, you know, take hold of the benefits of exercise and it's not just from a weight loss standpoint, but you know, it gives you a better mood. It gives you a better outlook, you know, when you're going out through your, throughout your day. Uh, and so, you know, activity exercise is so important uh, and, you know, help, you know, things sometimes, you know, the weight itself is a barrier uh, and losing the weight through the surgery enables them to kind of get over that hurdle uh, to be able to then have, you know, a meaningful uh, activity. I want to go back to square one. What does it mean when we use the term bariatric surgery? Um, because there are different kinds. Yes. So when I think about bariatric surgery, it's, it's really any intervention uh, 
procedural, uh, meaning you know, we actually do something with the tissue um, uh, that helps to induce weight loss. So um, endoscopic therapies um, are experimental and available uh, um, uh, under um, experimental um, um, uh, protocols. Um, and those kind of procedures um, basically change it through doing um, uh, scopes. So it's not um, full surgery. It would, it would, minimally invasive would be the term? Uh, so minimally invasive surgery would be the next step. Okay. Uh, and that would be where we use um, um, laparoscopic surgery. And so that would be where we um, place ports into the abdominal cavity. Uh, we inflate the cavity, um, the abdomen, and then we have instruments that will allow us to you know, perform the surgery. So, um, you know, <clears throat> so there's endoscopic therapies and then there's surgical therapies, which kind of all fall in the umbrella of um, bariatric procedures. Uh, but it really is, you know, um, trying to help patients um, not just lose weight, but also, you know, help with their metabolism and their other medical conditions uh, so that, uh, you know, they can be healthier. Um, these, the things that you described, are they done robotically? Is it all sort of manual labor by the surgeon? How does uh, so it, it, it depends. Uh, here at Franklin Square, we do all of our bariatric procedures uh, robotically. Um, I think it uh, has tremendous benefits in terms of uh, pain after the surgery, in terms of overall recovery. We have patients going back after seven to 10 days uh, of the surgery, going back to work. Wow. Uh, and uh, so I think it helps them get back to their lives sooner. Uh, and I think also we know what we've done uh, when we use robotics because we can see so well and we can manipulate the tissue so well. Uh, whereas in some situations, you know, uh, we have to kind of compromise uh, to get the things done and we don't have to do that uh, robotically. Right. How does the robotic surgery, I've, I've talked to a number of doctors on this podcast yeah. just about the benefits of robotics, but it's a case where it's not like you program a machine and it does the work. It it's a, an assist for you as the surgeon. Yeah, we're not there yet. And I'm glad it's, gonna, <laughs> it's not any, anytime soon. Um, so as it stands now, robotic surgery is where we have mechanical instrumentation that enables us to do fine work uh, that's completely um, uh, driven by the surgeon. Uh, there's nothing automated. Uh, and uh, the time where we have artificial intelligence and machine learning is still a ways off. So, um, you know, we, we, we've talked about this is, you know, it's one thing to sort of help transform someone's life. Uh, is this also life saving? Yes. Uh, so, um, you know, the risk of premature death is drastically reduced uh, for patients who have uh, surgery. Uh, when we go back to the study that we referred to in the beginning, uh, patients who had fatty liver and uh, had surgery had a 90% reduction in uh, the risk of advanced liver disease, ninety percent, uh, or cancer, ninety percent, huge. And mm. on top of that, and I'm not exactly sure on the correlation, but the study shows that with major heart um, events, there was a, almost a ninety percent reduction in that as well. Uh, so it's not just about your liver; it's also your heart that mm -hmm. actually sees a benefit with this. I want to back up just a second. Gastric sleeve, gastric band. What are we talking about? And who makes the decision, sort of, of what? type of procedure the patient gets. Yeah. So um, so that we talked about the sleeve gastrectomy a little bit. And the gastric band, it actually is a device that we put uh, around the top of the stomach. And uh, it actually has a tube that connects to a port that sits underneath the skin. And we can actually adjust the tightness of the band <laughs> uh, using that. Um, 
It used to be very popular um, in uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, the sleeve has really uh, overtaken uh, the band in terms of popularity because I think that it gives good, consistent results uh, safely. It's the same idea? It's it's different, yeah. So the band, it really doesn't change much in the, the hormone response uh, to food. Uh, and that's why it's become a lot less popular, I think. Um, the other procedure that we do here is the gastric bypass. And this procedure, uh, we actually... Um, manipulate the stomach and we also manipulate the intestine and so it's a little bit more involved um, it takes probably twice as long in terms of the surgical procedure uh, recovery is about the same uh, but this has even more effects on a patient's response to uh, when they eat and the things you just described are they are they permanent is this a something which somebody later needs to have reversed because they've they are sort of height weight proportion or no this is this is how the plumbing is going to look now because because it works um, so these procedures are permanent and they're intended to be, um, in the last, uh, 13, 14 years I've been doing this, we've only had to reverse a gastric bypass once, and that was for some other medical issues. Uh, and so it's high risk and it's not advisable. Uh, the gastric band, it can be taken out. Uh, and that is actually what we're finding, uh, that, uh, a third to a half of patients who've had gastric band end up having it taken out. Uh, so that also has uh, contributed to the rapid decline in the number of bands being put right, in. Right, because you don't want to have people go back in a surgery they don't need to. Right. So the two main ones we've been doing are the sleeve and the bypass. Uh, we do another procedure called the duodenal switch, uh, but this is done as a revision uh, for patients who've had previous surgery before and are looking for additional help. Because you know even the surgery is limited in what it can do. Uh, it's a tool. It's not a magic pill. Uh, and... Uh, Sometimes people need more intervention, and that's where we take this procedure and in, in, put into play. So what is recovery like for the, the various surgeries? Um, so uh, the first thing to consider is the diet. And um, for all cases, all, all procedures, uh, you're on a liquid diet for two weeks, uh, purees for two weeks, and then soft foods for two weeks. So it's a six-week diet progression. Just because um, everything has to sort of heal and you don't want to... You don't want it to be working much. Yeah, we don't there. want something to bust open. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, and, and patients do really well in, in following that because they understand the risks involved. But um, we allow everything to heal up, and then they can start advancing their diet after six weeks. Um, and then in terms of, um, you know, activity, you know, the next day people are walking. Uh, actually, they're walking the day of surgery. Um, but uh, a lot of patients, uh, once they go home the next day, uh, they're walking, moving around, doing all the usual stuff they do around the house. A lot of patients, if they have a desk job, they'll go back, um, you know, in seven to ten days. Actually, you know, during this era, people go back the day they go home sure. uh, to work because they're just, you know, a lot of people are working from home nowadays. And so uh, that has kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. But um, seven to ten days for most patients. And then if you have a strenuous job, like if you're a police officer or a firefighter, um, or uh, in healthcare, then typically it's going to be about four weeks before going back to work. Because, I mean, because muscles need to heal, because of incisions? Uh, yeah, of... the muscles and the incisions so that we do reduce the chance of a hernia. And then, you know, is it, every, nobody likes pain. Is it painful at all, or is there discomfort? Uh, there is pain uh, and discomfort. Um, I will say that a lot of patients, we only give patients 12 tabs of pain medications afterwards. 
And a majority of patients bring back medications to our office so that we can dispose of them safely. So on average, I would say maybe patients use about four to five tablets. Just to get them through the first couple first of days. First day or two, yeah. And after yeah. that, they're on Tylenol. That's great. Yeah. So it's painful, but it's manageable. manageable. And that's the whole idea. Yeah. Um, are, are there any uh, misconceptions about bariatric surgery floating out there? I think one of the ones I hear most often is that, oh, you're just going to gain the weight back anyways. Um, and while we see that, and I think patients have, you know, people they know that may have gotten the surgery and gained the weight back, um, a majority of patients, about 70 to 80% of patients actually have, uh, effective weight loss. And we, we, uh, define that as more than 50% of their excess weight being lost and, and maintained. Uh, so it is successful. I think the other thing too, um, the other misconception about surgery is that, you know, it's the easy way out and it's not because you have to make the lifestyle changes. And it's, you know, it really is not just about, um, losing the weight. It's about how, how are you going to change your life? How are you going right. to be there for your loved ones? How are you going to make, you know, your health conditions better? You know, um, how is your quality of life going to be different? You know, we're not talking about, you know, some glamor page on a social media uh, site, but, it's about, you know, how, how can you live your life better? And, uh, and um, it's about being committed to making those changes and doing it consistently because it's tough. And, you know, it's, you know someone, someone somewhere thinks that you know, it might be easy for somebody, but I think everybody has a hard time with this. I, yeah, I think you're, if you're making that kind of commitment, you've, 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 you put your, your flag in the sand, so to speak. Yeah, yeah you're saying, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to change from this day forward and, and try to improve myself here and easy. Who cares if easily hard way, as long as the results are effective, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the person who's the patient is going to be the judge of, yeah. of how hard it is. Yeah. Um, it is it, you know, it is challenging for anybody because you have to still watch what you eat. You have to, you have to get the activity in. Um, you have to be consistent with your follow-ups, with your medical providers. Um, so it really is you know, about health. Tell me about then the program here at MedStar Franklin Square. Uh, so we have an awesome program here. I might be biased. <laughs> I like how you're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and we really um, take pride in um, helping patients and coming alongside patients go through the process, uh, go through that journey of you know improving their health. Um, because um, it's one thing to just check boxes and the requirements uh, that need to be done for insurance. Uh, it's another to say, Hey, you know, let's make this about, you know, your health and your quality of life and let's stick to it and let's follow through. Uh, and so, you know, we are committed to patients. Uh, you know, we tell them, look, we want to see you for at least five years after the surgery, five years, five years. Yep. Because actually a lot of, um, nutrition, well, not a lot, but, uh, some nutritional deficiencies, uh, can come up in years three through five. Uh, and so if you're not getting that regular follow-up for at least that amount of time, you may not be able to identify uh, those nutritional deficiencies that may come up. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be a sustained, you know, concerted long-term effort, uh, and you just have to keep on doing that. Do you, do you have patients who kind of feel when they you sit in front of like, okay, I've arrived. I mean, I'm, I'm finally, I think something's going to work. Uh-huh. Um, can you rephrase that? Question? Well, I mean, is there a sense of relief for some people when they, when they make the decision to go with bariatric surgery? Oh yeah, I think so. Definitely. Um, 
uh, and I think still we have patients who come in and they haven't fully decided. Uh, but you can tell that there's a difference uh, in the way that they're engaged um, in uh, the way they start to make those changes. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it was, it, you know, we'll probably take the whole section out because it wasn't yeah. that great of a question to begin with. Okay. But um, <laughs> you mentioned insurance. So clearly this is something which major health insurance plans cover. Yes. Uh, so... <clears throat> Fortunately, in Maryland, um, a lot of patients, most patients have coverage. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we haven't uh, had people have, we haven't had people have to pay out of pocket for this procedure. Uh, and so, um, you know, for most patients, uh, if they're considering it, uh, they should really look and check because it's more than, more than likely their insurance will cover it. Uh, and then, you know, if they don't, then there might be options about changing or switching insurances uh, so that it can be covered. But it is a major surgery, uh, and it is surgery, so it has risks. So, you know, you have to be able to have coverage so that you can have the surgery, but also manage any potential issues that arise after that. Exactly. Um, do you have any final thoughts to share with listeners who may be considering this surgery? I think it's a process to arrive at the point where um, you decide to have surgery. Um, I think that it doesn't represent failure, uh, but that it is about, you know, taking a hold of your health. Uh, and if you know, you've let it go for a while, um, you know, thinking that you had to put others first, um, are you really putting others first if you're not addressing your own health? That would be the question I pose. Dr. Can you talk to me a bit about the team? Uh, yeah, so we have a fantastic team, uh, and uh, so um, we have a bariatric program coordinator, a dietitian, a class navigator, and of course all the uh, staff in the office. Uh, and I think the biggest thing when I think about them is that uh, they are really committed to the patient's care, and especially you know with something like this uh, bariatric surgery, um, uh, I think that compassion and that understanding and the struggle that patients face in, in this, um, in trying to you know, get a grip on their health and their weight. You know, we want to come alongside patients and uh, help them through that. Uh, and so, you know, this is not, uh, it's not a place where you have to be afraid of the past failures or what you think are past failures. Uh, but to say, hey, listen, you know, I, I want to get better. I want to be more healthy. I really want to be there uh, for my loved ones. Uh, and so, you know, we want to be there for you and, and make that uh, change together. We've been talking with Dr. Christopher Yu at MedStar Franklin Square Medical Center. Dr. Yu, thank you for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. To find out if bariatric surgery is right for you or to schedule an appointment, you can call 443-777-8280.